Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, we're kicking off our series of women leading through a crisis. Hope you enjoy this series that we're kicking off with Helen McKnight. But before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that my book is now available on Amazon. Go check out how pharmacists lead answers from women who are leading, succeeding, and impacting pharmacy. It's a great book dedicated to women in pharmacy leadership. Okay, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Dr. Helen McKnight. Dr. McKnight graduated from University of Florida with a Doctor of Pharmacy degree and completed a pharmacy practice residency at the University of Maryland Medical System. She has been a pharmacist for over 25 years, and her current role is Director of Pharmacy Services at Princeton Baptist Medical Center in Birmingham, Alabama. Before moving to Alabama, she practiced pharmacy in South Florida and upstate New York, and Helen has been fortunate to be part of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, or ASHP, their leading edge, and the ASHP Foundation's PLA or Pharmacy Leadership Academy programs. In 2016, Dr. McKnight completed her MBA with an emphasis in healthcare management from New England College in New Hampshire. In 2019, she became the first Alabama pharmacist to pass the Board of Pharmacy Specialties Compounded Serial Preparations Exam. So, Helen, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit more about your personal life. Well, surprisingly, I've been a pharmacist for 25 years. It doesn't feel like that long. But interestingly, I've been on the director level twice back in 1999 through 2001, Mm -hmm. and then for the last four years. So I have a lot of interesting perspectives about how pharmacy leadership has changed between Mm -hmm. the late 1990s and now. Fascinating. Um, So yeah, for this topic, we definitely wanted to cover women in leadership and particularly um, women leading in a crisis. We've been, you know, dealing with um, the COVID-19 pandemic. So, but first, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your leadership journey and how you've come to, to be a director of pharmacy twice. Was it, you know, by choice or by um, just different seasons of life? Um, you know, a lot of times women, um, you know, will have kids or, or take, take a step back and then, um, and it's just different seasons. We'd love to hear a little bit more about what your journey was. Certainly, I'd be happy to share. So I'd say that my life has been divided up into four different distinct seasons, and I'll take a little bit of time to go through each one of those. I went to University of Florida and graduated back in 1999 with a PharmD, 
And at that point of my career, I would not say that I was a leader. I tried to do the best that I could based on the personality that I had. And I certainly enjoyed leadership roles in outside organizations like my church, but I wasn't in any formal leadership role at University of Florida. So that I call my part A season or part first part of the season that I did in leadership. The second part of that first season of my life was my residency program. And when I went to residency at University of Maryland Medical System, I went there thinking that I wanted to be a pediatric oncology pharmacist. So that was my plan. And by six months into the residency program, my director told me that I had the leadership skills in order to be a director of pharmacy. And I think I was taken back. I don't know what I particularly did in order to show those skills to him, but I was always one that looked at the processes and felt that they could be different or they could be changed. And that residency director told me that I would be on the leadership level by the time I was 29. Hmm. And lo and behold, I was. Hmm. So that brings me down to my fourth or second season. Um, As I transitioned out of residency, they started a new chief resident program. And I became the chief resident just through the very last part of my residency up in Maryland. But I wanted to get back down to South Florida. So I moved back down to South Florida, had a short-lived job at a small hospital, and then went back to the hospital where I had been an intern during my college years and ended up working for that hospital system as a staff pharmacist and then as a clinical person and then as what was then called a regional pharmacy manager, but this is the same as the director position that I'm doing now. So there was a shortage of pharmacists back then. Mm -hmm. There were a number of folks that were being promoted quickly. And I think that if you had the skill set and you showed the uh, the right personality, you did get promoted. So I got promoted every year and a half for the first uh, six years of my career and ended up on the director level. Now, I worked really hard as a director. Mm-hmm. But now I look back and I look at emails. I did an excellent job. At the time, I was single uh, without any children, and I felt that the job was all-consuming. Mm-hmm. So I did make a decision that I wanted to step back and come away from that level of leadership. So after two years, I decided to transfer to a sister hospital and became their second in command. Mm -hmm. And the day that I made that decision, I met a wonderful man Hmm. who happened to be from New York. (laughs) So that wonderful man is now my husband. And that brings me to the third season, which was in New York. Um, as soon as I got married, I transitioned up to upstate New York and we ended up living there for 12 years. Wow. So again, and this is the story of my life, I went back down to the staff pharmacist level mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And did that for four years, had a child during mm-hmm. that time. And then as my child got just a little bit older, I took over the evening shift supervisor position, did that until my son was in kindergarten and then moved over to day shift, day shift supervision and did that for the following eight years. So I like that I have been a technician and an intern and a staff pharmacist and a supervisor and a director because when you've been on all of those levels, mm-hmm. it's easier for me to be able to tell people what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And they know that I would never do something that I'm not asking for, uh, that I haven't done myself. Yeah. So I, I feel like I can relate to people really well. And I'm always willing with my servant leadership type of background to do those things. To me, the patient is the most important and I'm always willing to do that. Yeah. Now, having said that, mm-hmm. I got a little bored at the supervisor level and mm. felt that I could be a director again. But this mm-hmm. time I was scared. By the time mm-hmm. I uh, was thinking about being a director for the second time, I was in my 40s, had been out of pharmacy school for quite a bit of time. And so I went and got the skills I felt that I needed in order to progress back up to the director level. So that's where I w- went through Pharmacy Leadership Academy, which is an ASHP foundation course, and then immediately parlayed that into an MBA. And as I was on my MBA jour- journey, I met people via LinkedIn and through my classes that caused me to be in the position that I am now. So I would certainly call this the fourth season of my life. A recruiter saw my profile, my LinkedIn profile, contacted me knowing that I was a Pharmacy Leadership Academy alumni, Mm -hmm. um, told me all about the position that I'm in now. And in my marketing class, I was with a fellow student who was on the director level in the state of Alabama, saw what my core values were, and felt that the position that I'm in now would be um, very uh, aligned with what my core values were. So that's how I came to be the director of pharmacy the second time, and I've been in this position for four years. That's fascinating. And so, and I love to think of it kind of in seasons as well. Um, and so that was really helpful to, to kind of describe. Um, and so Helen, when you made the move back down South, was that for, for your position? And then your husband ended up kind of coming with you and, and found a job as well, or were y'all looking to get back down there? I always think it's, it's interesting, um, as a family unit, um, you know, sometimes, uh, there's, you know, a lot of times women are moving for their husband's job, but it's also interesting to see it in the reverse. Yes. And interestingly, the recruiter brought that up and said that a lot lot of times women are wanting to move for a husband's job, but Mm -hmm. the opposite is not true. Now I'm blessed with a husband who works from home Uh, He saw that I was frustrated and perhaps had reached the ceiling of my career where I was in the past. 
And he, being the wonderful, supportive person that he always has been, was willing to move here. So we had a lot of conversations, both as a couple and as a small family unit, talking about moving. And my family was willing to do that. And I think in most cases, we've said that it was a good decision for us. Mm -hmm. We are halfway between where I grew up and where he grew up. So it's a 13-hour drive either way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, okay. So, so, um, Helen, you also kind of shared throughout your story that you had certain characteristics or, or traits that, um, that others saw in you, um, as I, you know, identifying you as an early leader. What are, um, some of those specific attributes that you feel that maybe, um, uh, you have or that women leaders possess possess that make them particularly well-equipped um, to lead? That's a good question. For me specifically, people always tell me that I can get things done. Mm-hmm. And I have a can-do attitude, a problem-solver attitude, and I function at the highest level of the excellence that I can bring to the team. If you're into personality and personality tests, I'm an ISTJ, which is a Myers-Briggs designation, the folks that do what should be done. And if you've looked at a personality test like DISC, then I'm that high C conscientious person. But women leaders in general, Uh, The attributes that they possess, I think, are empathy, Mm -hmm. uh, flexibility, sociability. I like meeting people. I like learning new things about them. I have a good sense of judgment. Um, And then having so many different things going on, whether it be in my outside pursuits or here at the pharmacy, or in my personal life, I think it really helps you to be a good multitasker. I'm willing to see things from different sides. I'm very collaborative. I like to network. If you're looking for a specific recommendation for folks that are looking to find their specific attributes as women leaders, I'm gonna recommend a book by Joan Miller, It came out within the last year or so, I think. It's called Women of Influence, Nine Steps to Build Your Brand, Establish Your Legacy, and Thrive. Joan Miller is a person that I learned about. She's an Australian author and influencer. And I learned about her when I was in Pharmacy Leadership Academy and doing my MBA program. And she's had the opportunity to create this book. And I think that it's very fact-based It resonates with you, and it really helps you to use your personality strengths in order to get to where you need to be and also to minimize your weaknesses. Yeah. Well, that's um, a great reference for for listeners. Um, Yes. And as you mentioned, uh, empathy, communication, motivation, collaboration, those were some of the examples in uh, a recent Harvard Business Review that 
was entitled Women Are Better Leaders During a Crisis. So what are some of the things that you've been doing um, to lead your team during, you know, this past 2020 um, COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I'm glad you said team because it's certainly not me by myself and I would be remiss not to acknowledge the contributions of my pharmacy manager, the clinical uh, pharmacy specialists, along with the pharmacy supervisors that I have here at my hospital pharmacy. So for me, uh, I will preface this with saying this is not the first time that we've had crises in hospital pharmacy. I've been a pharmacist long enough that I've lived through 9-11. I've lived through the housing crisis. I've lived through the changes in pharmacy, um, the way that pharmacists are viewed, particularly here in the pharmacy department. So I think originally when the pandemic started back in March or April of 2019, I really looked at it like this is a 9-11 moment. This is a moment where after this is over, there will be a new normal. And I communicated that to my teammates. This isn't going to be a new normal. We have to figure out how we're going to get to the other side. But we thought that the other side was going to be summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. And we were really shocked that it's continuing to be an issue and that uh, COVID patients continue to flood the hospital. So in what ways I would say that I've led is being having transparent communication. We have a daily pharmacy huddle here. It's just a bunch of us gather around at 2.30 in the afternoon. It's not a formal meeting per se, although there are specific metrics and information that we, we cover. And I've taken that time during our events and meetings section in order to share information. And sometimes I have to say, this is what I know today. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing today. And this is how we're going to make it work today. And that's, for me, I feel it's important that you communicate what you know so that people feel more comfortable in the space that they're in at that time. And I've also talked a lot about thanking people Mm -hmm. because it's tough. It is very hard to do that. We have set some goals. My pharmacy manager is excellent at doing a strategic plan, walking gallery where everybody puts up what they would like to work on in the next year. And so goal settings, having something to think about for 2021 has reduce the level of hysteria that we've seen among staff members. And then also we have done some tabletop exercises, both as a facility in general, and then here in the pharmacy department. Okay, here's my worst case scenario. Let's work through how we're going to plan and do this particular thing. Whether that's where are we going to put COVID patients, how are we going to vaccinate folks, how are we going to vaccinate our employees, and so on. So the three ways I would say is communication, goal setting, and tabletop exercises. Okay. And then now table 
topics, exercises, is that something that you was picked up from a Toastmasters or, or tell the listeners a little bit more about, about that specifically? So a tabletop exercise is when you work through a worst case scenario with a bunch of people and you have to think about all the things that can go wrong mm-hmm. and you try to find solutions on those things that you can go wrong. So very mm-hmm. early in the pandemic, back mm-hmm. in March of 2020, the hospital staff members themselves all got together along with the other hospitals that are in with our network and we plotted out what our pandemic response would be mm-hmm. and that that exercise helped all of us um, and showed that we needed to we needed everybody sitting at the table and that was very helpful for us. Here in the, ph- the pharmacy department, we did something similar on a smaller scale, really with myself and the pharmacy manager looking at staffing uh, metrics and staffing plans as as our um, staffing models had to s- shift very quickly during mm-hmm. the early parts of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But first, do you help patients with diabetes select their pin needles? And have you recommended the UltiGuard Safe Pack yet? When you dispense UltiMed's Pin Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, you promote safe sharps disposal. This protects families and your community from sharps injuries and can reduce the harmful reuse of needles. Your selection can make a difference. To learn more about UltiMed's Pin Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack, visit UltiGuardSafePack.com slash podcast. UltiGuardSafePack.com slash podcast. U-L-T-I-G-U-A-R-D-S-A-F-E-P-A-C-K.com slash podcast. UltiGuardSafePack.com slash podcast. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Uh, definitely scenario planning. And um, yes, of course, you've got to get lots of different um, perspectives as you're making those plans and considerations. Um, now, what about, uh, you know, as kind of we're helping, you know, young and aspiring women, um, as, as kind of the final question, Helen, what is some advice that you would have for other female leaders or, uh, aspiring leaders? The advice I would have for other female aspiring leaders or leaders that are always in the, already in the position is I would tell people, to never stop learning. Mm-hmm. I love that pharmacy changes and has changed over the course of the last 24 uh, years or 25 years that I've been doing this. I'll be willing to not only learn formally through CEs and podcasts like this one, but also informally. I am part of the Facebook Pharmacy Moms group where there's 30,000 pharmacists who are on Facebook and they pose questions and have folks answer. I uh, read the Washington Post every day and learn a lot from that. So certainly be on the forefront of learning every day. 
The other thing I would say for women leaders is that you need to set boundaries. Um, you can't always be on, and it's very important to have time to relax. I do have a particular religious day that I have where I don't do any work for 24 hours, and every once in a while work tries to creep in. Uh, but that boundary, I know that at the end of that, that of the week at that seventh day that I'm going to have time to just decompress and do whatever I feel like it. Mm -hmm. um, networking is critical. Perhaps as leaders, we don't network enough uh, to have people who are in your corner who trust you and can lift you up is helpful. Mm -hmm. I think that you need to have a brand. You need to be able to say in just a few words, what your brand is, and then you can control that message. So my brand is that I get things done and I speak to that all of the time. I get things done and this is how I get things done. Uh, I'm known as somebody who is knowledgeable and is willing to do the difficult things. And so you have to, just like a company would brand themselves and say the positive things, you kind of have to do things in order to brand yourself as well. Mm -hmm. um, as a women leader, I think that you have to be willing to readjust your course and to be flexible. All of us have failed at something or the other. Um, I have several different times when I feel that I've fallen flat onto my face, but you just get right back up and you... Uh, readjust your course, you readjust your sales, as they like to say, and keep going. And it's exciting. Readjusting your course can be very exciting. It gives you a way to have a clean slate and to make yourself into something different. Um, like this year, we're learning how to do a whole bunch of Zoom or uh, teleconference meetings and interviews. What's somewhat exciting to do it on a new platform? I'm learning something new. <laughs> and then finally, I would mention that you can, uh, people admire you as a women leader and you can offer hope and give back to others who are looking up to you. So in that mentorship role, uh, you have the skills. Women who get into leadership positions are more than qualified mm -hmm. to do the work. Yeah. So I always look back and I try to share the knowledge that I've gained over the course of my career with others. And then I try to lift them up as well. Yes. There are so many good pieces of advice um, just throughout, and so I know our listeners will um, really enjoy getting to to learn from you and um, be inspired to um, to also uh, lead and to you know be willing to to take on those additional roles and responsibilities. Um, when it might be a good fit for them. So, um, Helen, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. It was such a pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the ability to connect with the, your listeners. I really admire you as a woman leader, and I'm thankful that I had the privilege to talk to you today. Awesome. Thank you. 
about my new book, now available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon. Go over to Amazon and search for How Pharmacists Lead, Answers from Women Who Are Leading, Succeeding, and Impacting Pharmacy. And I hope you check it out. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps us to get in front of more pharmacists and others interested in the pharmacy industry. We really appreciate your support in sharing this content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.